Welcome to the VoxGig Developer Relations Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Roger. I speak to people in the software development community about developer relations, public speaking, and community events. I'm the CEO of VoxGig, a software consultancy that builds DevRel tools. Because we believe in the power of community, we host a monthly virtual online meetup for everyone in developer relations. Check out devrelmeetup.com. And visit voxgig.com to view our work, use our tools, and sign up for our newsletter. Okay. Please sit back and enjoy my fireside chat with today's guest. Today, I'm speaking to Rex St. John, founder of the developer relations consultancy, Taroko Technology. Although, as Rex would say, if you listen to our chat, it's really a creator relations agency. There is a lot of speculation out there about what AI means for developer relations. But I think Rex has done some actual thinking, and you're going to be really interested to hear his take. Because we're not going to be dealing with just developers. We're going to be dealing with a new job role, a full stack creator, and we're going to have to figure out how to do DevRel for those people too. All right, let us get into it. Rex, how are you doing? I hope it is um, not too rainy in Seattle where you are at the moment. Welcome to the Fireside with the Voxgate podcast. It is great to have you on. Good to be here. Thank you. And it is raining more than a little bit. Oh, well, you win. I mean, I'm based in Ireland. I was Usually I win this competition, but no, I think Seattle. I think Seattle wins. Uh, okay, so we're going to talk about developer relations and AI and microchips and all sorts of fun stuff. Um, but let uh, I'll let you set some context first. Why don't you tell us who you are and what you're doing at the moment? How do you earn a living? Uh, so my background is in marketing. Before I quit my marketing role, sat in a coffee shop with a bunch of college textbooks and then bootstrapped a software engineering career for five years before becoming a technical evangelist, an ecosystem builder at Intel, ARM, NVIDIA, uh, then Saga on the blockchain and cryptocurrency side. I'm currently running my own company called Toroku Technology. And we are producing events and activations for the next generation of AI-powered creators, futurists, technologists, and visionaries. So you're gonna, you're basically gonna create um, the future, I guess. That's right. Awesome. <laughs> I'm not sure which future, because just a load of dystopian movies came to my head, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not gonna say that. <laughs> An optim- are you an optimistic futurist? Uh, you're going to get whatever you imagine. <laughs> okay. That doesn't fill me with hope. Yeah. I mean, I've been, uh, with all this AI stuff coming up, I've been rereading a bunch of sci-fi focused on AI specifically, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, have you ever heard of uh, the Culture Series by Ian M. Banks? I have not. Uh, so that's that's kind of the optimistic future. So basically... We end up as humans, we end up as pets of like super intelligent godlike AI minds, but they run everything properly because we don't have to okay. have politics anymore. They just organize stuff. Oh, and everybody uh, everybody gets, it's like a post-scarcity, so everybody gets everything. Yeah. Uh, so unfortunately, that's just upset me now because I have to go back to my capitalist reality and make some money. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. So uh, what is what, what what are activations? An activation. All right. So I just got my slide deck here. I just put this together. I'm going to be at CES meeting with partners and customers tomorrow and this week. So you're lucky to see the first iteration of it. Um, We put together communities, events, activations for creators, technologies, futurists, and artists. 
And my conception about why I'm starting this is having done develop relations the last 10 or 12 years at the world's largest semiconductor companies, including NVIDIA, I feel that the AI tools are going to enable completely new classes of creators and people are going to have to, there'll still be developers, but but we're going to see a set of individuals that were kind of traditionally pushed aside in the tech industry or like, you know, not deemed as cool as the developers are going to be able to step forward and become far more productive and visionary. And I, when I originally created this company, you know, the focus was developers, but now I feel like we're going to get some new character classes and yeah, I yeah. Think every company in the industry is going to have to adapt. And so I've, I've got some slides about what that's going to look like. That's one of the reasons I was super excited to talk to you, right? Because yeah. it feels like a whole new job spec, right? A whole new job yes. class is going to arise. I started calling myself creator ecosystems, creator relations. Creator relations. Oh, I like that. Mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah. and uh, I mean, we'll get onto the topic of... Um, I mean, you did this. You did this amazing trifecta of chip companies, um, and I got I got to dig into that and developer relations. Yeah, uh, if we have time. But um, where does AI come come in? Are these is this new job category enabled by AI? Is that the key insight here? Um, absolutely. I mean, I started AI started really coming up for me when I was at Intel. I was in Intel's new technology group working on robotics, drones, perceptual computing, uh, computer vision, IoT, AIoT, TinyML at the time. And then Intel had just made this acquisition of Movidius, which is like a ASIC for doing, you know, computer vision kinds of things. Hmm. So at the time, AI, uh, everybody's talking about AI, but it was it, like if you dug into it, it really meant object recognition <laughs> it was it was vision basically right yeah it's like you, everybody's saying ai and you're like okay what does that actually mean they're just talking about object recognition like really that has changed <laughs> a little <laughs> now now we're really gonna have ai you know like the real kind i think is pretty clear um so i i worked on the movidius platform and marketing it bringing it to marketing it like like internally testing it, like validating it for developer experience. Um, and also the Intel Edison, Intel Jewel, which were used for robotics and drones. So that's how I got started in AI. And then, um, you know, I, I've been around AI on the semiconductor side at ARM and NVIDIA. NVIDIA obviously is the king of AI, so plenty oh, of yeah. AI going yeah. there. And then at Saga, I worked on generative AI hackathons and ecosystem development in connection with Web3, which is a whole other topic, which we don't have to get into here. So um, that's how I got into AI. <laughs> okay, you you kind of covered all the bases, right? Because it's it's the hardware, um, you know, the, the, the blockchain stuff, and yeah. the software stuff, and the creator stuff. Um, yes. Yeah, I mean, for the practicing developer advocate, um, like I said, we'll get into maybe developer advocacy in chip companies, but the practicing developer advocate who works at a dev tools company. Yes. Um, and up to now, you know, their life has been speak at a conference, write uh, in-depth articles explaining how stuff works, organize events. Um, maybe they're writing the SDK. 
Uh, they're certainly doing a lot of community engagement, all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, how what is going to change for that person? Um, so I have been just deep diving uh, all the AI ecosystem, the emerging AI ecosystem, generative AI, LLM tools and platforms and technologies and playing around with it, talking to people, building sample code, building projects last, you know, years straight, basically. Uh, lots of time with ChatGPT, coding applications with ChatGPT. Uh, and my conclusion is that we're at a big change right now mm. and it's kind of like it's not just like uh oh it's like a 15 percent shift in that direction uh i just saw this report that said there were only like 700 net new it jobs like created last year in comparison with like other categories and my interpretation of of that is that startups employers venture capitalists industry it's kind of like they're driving at 80 miles per hour and then they just like generative AI and, and like chat GPT showed up and then they just went, you know, on the, yeah. on like emergency break. <laughs> and, yeah. and then they're like, we need to stop doing anything until we understand what this means. Like we're not hiring anybody. We don't even know how to interview people anymore. We don't know who the skill sets are that we want. Like we, like we don't even, because this seems to change absolutely everything. And I've seen people like Chamath from the All In podcast. He was mm -hmm. like, even in March, he was looking at the direction. And he was like, my conclusion is that the it's going to have massive impact on the venture capital side. You're not going to need 50 people to get Series A and 50 million. Like, it's going to atomize startups. They're going to be much smaller and much more agile, yet also much more productive for less people. And then there's going to be smaller rounds. So it's like, this is everything is hit the wall and it, it it feels quiet, but it's only quiet because like the entire snow globe has been shaken up and people are just stunned and they're confused right now. And it's going to take them the next three years, five years to figure it out. You know, some are figuring it out sooner than others. So I, I put together this deck and I was like, this feels like 2023 like this feels like the last year that the kind of developer relations I was doing is going to continue, mm. you know, do gotcha. the tech articles and the discord and the, you know, hackathons and workshops. Um, it just felt like, you know, um, the last 2007 to 2023 era, which is when I've been programming and developer relations -ing, that was characterized by, you know, all these full stack and mobile tools came into the market and enabled people to pick this stuff up and become hyper productive as developers. And then it became super, super awesome for platform companies to target these super valuable full stack and mobile developers with various APIs and tools. So you had Twilio and all these other companies. And now it's like, you're just seeing all these CEOs leave. Like the, the CEO of Twilio just stepped down. Oh, yeah. To yeah. Well, was did he did he step or was he pushed? That's I don't know. The, that's the he, question, right? He, he put in his time. He was there for yeah. Like, I'd retire. Uh, yeah. I would retire. And, <laughs> and and like that this is this feels but that dude, sorry sorry, Rex. That he was yeah. the guy who did like live coding demos. Yeah. He was the guy who that was he, he basically introduced that whole idea, right? Yes. Like they kind uh, of invented it and in, in like they would even have these billboards that said ask your developer. 
So I feel like it's emblematic that we're having this talk today because like, you know, the, the ask your developer guy was like, maybe it's not time to ask your developer in quite the same way anymore. And maybe he's going to go do something new. And I, I just feel like there's a complete, it's not like a 10 degree turn. It's like 170 degree to go in some other direction. And uh, we're we're gonna find out what that direction is. Um, I I just had some theories. Um, I, I think that with the arrival of LLMs and generative AI and coding and Code Whisper and GitHub Copilot, um, I, I'm not quite sure that de with developers as a concept is going away, but the the concept of a full stack developer is gonna become like a hyper stack, ultra stack developer. And um, I'd kind of, you know, imagine this skill stacks here of like, here's a full stack developer that pulls this stuff together. And then there's specialist developers like working on game engines or cybersecurity or embedded systems. Yeah. Like the typical targets that I used to go after. And and now I think we're going to get, I, I made this slide like a, a couple months ago. I still think it's pretty good. Um, I, I call it a full stack creator. This is like an artist, creative designer, musician. And then this person is being handed low code, no code, you know, dozens of AI video generation tools. You know, there's new ones arriving every day, like animation generation tools, uh, tools to do, you know, push a button and generate all the in-game assets. And then prompt engineering and, you know, mid-journey. So this person, this full stack creator is like the next generation of artists. And I think they're going to be fo focusing on, I need to understand like the way this person wins, like this character class, it's going to be like, how many of the generative AI tools in the landscape have you tested, evaluated? Do you know about the differences? Like, can you do comfy UI? Like, so there's all these new tool automatic. Uh, can you, can you generate stuff locally in your desktop so this person is showing up and they're going to be you know i think the people that will be highly valued will be these people that have understand a whole ecosystem of generative ai tools uh any any so comments the, on that? so that's the full yeah. stack creator right yeah and i'm already seeing i saw nvidia post a role for creator relations and i think uh, that's just you know i think that's that just is, the beginning that is you're going to need creator community managers creator advocates and it's like, you know, I think this is going to create a whole new, I mean, because developer relations is a really cool role because you get to go places and speak and build stuff and demo. Yeah, yeah. And and like, this is going to create a new character class for developer relations, which will be this artist version. So I think you could see some artist that goes and does like live art sessions and like, let's do a holodeck together, you know, in real time. So I think... Uh, the developer relations persona is going to be augmented by this creator advocate because, you know, the AI generation tool platform number 30 that raised $100 million is going to have to fight with all the other AI generating video tools. How are they going to do that? Well, they're good. They're still going to have to do this outreach. So I, oh, I think. Wow. That yeah. You betcha. Yeah. That's a that's a fantastic insight. Hundred <laughs> um, percent. And, and, and he, all right, so here's the thing that, uh, sorry, I'm just filling space and just 
talking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's what we're here for. <laughs> here's the thing that I was really concerned about initially. I was like, well, AI is just going to take everyone's jobs. Yeah. Actually, what's happening is AI makes creating content spam in like unlimited content spam that no one wants to look at uh, instantaneous. And it's it's going to have the reverse effect that, that people think because it's like, well, um, I want like I don't trust that in anything that I don't see, you know, from a person that's standing right in front of me. Right. So. I, I suspect people are just going to tune out large portions of the internet, you know, like um, I just see people posting all these mid journey images and I'm like, well, that was fantastic. Like last year, now I'm kind of tired of it. Like I, I can't look at a thousand instantly generated mid journey images. So kind of the internet, um, I, I think events are going to have a big place in this emerging future. Face-to-face -face events, I think are going to be, very useful because uh, mm. pe people aren't going to connect with this. People are going it, to, it's going to, people are, are going to tune out this wall of content spam that's inbound. So will, will we see the return of events even stronger than before? COVID? I think so. Awesome. I feel like, awesome. I feel like it, it, and I've seen this from my own experiments, like doing marketing, like discord, telegram, signal, email, LinkedIn, you know, like some of the yeah. Web three platforms, uh, and then like Twitter and like Facebook. I mean, it just seems like um, people just don't even engage, you know, on like Twitter DM or something. It's like when I was putting together my second refi summit, I was just pinging people direct message, like trying to raise funding. Everyone just ignored that, and then when I go to the event and I meet the founder of the company, like I can get a monetary commitment in five minutes of conversation face-to-face. -face. And when I saw that consistently, I'm like, oh, like in person, it seems like to have gone nowhere. It seems to be like the only way to like get things done, in my opinion. That's that's just my feeling. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I could be wrong, but it's, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I'm just thinking about my personal intake of content. And yeah, I'm filtering way more than I used to. Yeah, um, I mean, even even Twitter slash X or whatever it is these days, utility wise is way down. Yeah, uh, which is which is a pity, right? Yeah, it used to be fantastic. Um, yeah, okay. So the return of in person events, I like it. That is really cool. Uh, I've missed that so much. Um. And these are the profiles of full full stack business creator. This is going to be like a supercharged product manager. Um, I, I've noticed, you know, just listening to people talk over the last year, and like I saw this study that said that product managers are like among the most unhappy in this market, like of the people that are like most wanting to quit their job. Like product managers were number one, and I, I, I couldn't tell you where that study was. But I suspect that um, maybe the rise of AI and all these other tools, and, and then like Airbnb said they're removing product managers as a job class, huh. or they're repositioning it as marketing. So the, the product manager role is under a lot of pressure. 
and it, it, they used to be the superstars. I mean, they were like the stars of the show intact for a while, but now they're kind of like getting de-emphasized for some reason. I'm not quite sure why. But at the same time, it's this product manager that has like a little technical knowledge and business knowledge. When you give this person low-code, no-code, AI, prompt engineering, that person can do like 10 companies, you know? if So it feels like... Um, and also, I suspect product managers are under a lot of pressure due to the downturn. Like maybe they're carrying a lot of the weight for like, you know, if the engineers don't build something or if like the product's not working, then the product manager is the one that takes all the blame. I, I, I That's just my theory. Yeah. And at the same time, in I, I think we're at a transition point where you're going to see a lot of one man product manager, one woman product manager shows starting up these solopreneurs as this full stack business creator and, and every productivity platform is going to want to go after these people. So this is a new profile. It's like this, this supercharged product manager uh, for some kind of class of developer relations, you know, and then the, the final class of developer relations is a technical creator. This is like the engineer is more technical, but now they can do all the art and everything. I'm I'm seeing people generating whole games with a single prompt. I'm seeing I'm seeing people do triple A plus quality indie games as a solo developer, like you know, f- amazing graphics, sound, art, and, and like do it in record time. So it's just like the the quality bar has shot up and the productivity of individual developers has shot up, and they're also becoming artists at the same time. So and this is what I call creator relations and these three flavors. And I think that the successful, you know, next generation of AI platforms and no code platforms and programming platforms are going to have to, maybe, maybe it's not developers anymore. Maybe it's creators. <laughs> That's yeah. my theory. Um, I've got to, I've got to throw some economic theory at you actually, yeah. because I think what you're, uh, what you've observed here is uh so i was i was you know as a as a full stack developer i guess base job um i was getting pretty worried in the last year you know um, what's I mean, are, are all the dev jobs going to evaporate what's going to happen uh but i came across this thing in a somewhere in some blog post i can't remember called uh jevon's paradox it's like an economic theory okay so uh Basically, uh, if you look at the history of coal usage and oil usage, right, the steam engines and the internal combustion engines kept getting better and more efficient. So you would think that would lead to lower coal usage and lower oil usage. But it doesn't. It leads to more usage and higher demand <laughs> because you can do more stuff, <laughs> right? Now you can, yeah, you know, now you can drive to the beach at the weekend, right? This type of thing. You can dig deeper mines and pump out water. Um, So I think paradoxically, and it's called a paradox because you think demand is going to go down. I think paradoxically, right? (laughs) AI means that demand for developers of all these flavors and creators of all these flavors is going up because you are able to do all this stuff. It sets a new equilibrium economically. Um, Uh, I I mean, you know, I just had this kind of feeling that, okay, that's, that's, Look, sounds like that's what could happen, but you've done the analysis, right? So what what I find really interesting about this this 
kind of theory for what's going to happen is uh, you're kind of at the coalface, literally, of these are what the new jobs are going to be. Yeah. And the demand is going to be there for them, right? It's not the case that developer relations goes away. Now you have a whole new category, creator relations. <laughs> yeah. Right? Uh, <clears throat> and, well, uh, that's, I'm an optimist, as I say. And I think the defining trait of all these creators is ecosystem knowledge. It's yeah. like yeah. you've got to have to know the 50 tools and what their capabilities are in your area. And you'd have to play around with it. So it's kind of like, um, you know, I saw Intel hiring this role. It's, they called it AI technologist. And then I also saw the government is trying to hire all these like CAIOs or something. Um, and it basically... Uh, the speed at which this has arrived, it's like much faster than the, I mean, I mean, when the iPhone arrived, it made a big splash, but then like it lagged based on people buying the iPhone and learning how to use it and like learning how to buy. This is, this is here now because it's just pure software on your existing devices. So it's arrived shockingly fast. And yet, you know, in evaluating the dozens and dozens of tools and like, like I'm looking at something like replicate, and what Replicate does is they just take all these open source AI models and they make it available as an API. Yeah. And I'm just looking at all these tools and I'm like, oh, this is going to take a long time for people to learn about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you're going to need an army of trainers that are going to go to, you know, uh, this, you know, not the top 10 companies, but the top, you know, 990. Every employee in all those companies is going to have to be like completely retrained. And a lot of them may be smaller and like go with people that have like full stack AI knowledge that can do a hundred X work. Uh, so this is going to really advantage people that are into learning about a lot of different tools. It feels like. Oh yeah. Technologists. It, it, well, I mean, just going back to your first point, right? It, it, uh, I've been around in this game since the 90s. Yeah. Um, and it's the, the biggest, fastest change I've ever seen, for sure. Uh, um, I don't think I don't think I've experienced anything quite like it, right? I, I think I think everybody like <clears throat> like I've I've been playing around with stuff building demos, and then I'm looking on LinkedIn and, and having conversations, and I'm like, this this has to play out. Like this is going to impact all these people. But it, it still feels like the awareness is slow. And me, I like the hyper-research things. I have been consi consistently surprised at how far ahead I actually ended up being. Where I'm like, I notice this now, and maybe actually the rest of the industry doesn't get it for two years. Or in some cases, five years. Uh, but I've learned to trust the instinct. I've, I've learned that it's usually right. Yeah. <laughs> If you did the work, and I feel like I've done the work. So, oh, so okay. So it could uh, be another year before people are creating relations is pervasive, or two years even. Gotcha. Uh, so to flip it on its head, right? Yeah. Let me ask the other question, which is, what are the limits? Because uh, I don't know if you saw the the guy who wrote Redis, uh, <laughs> Italian dude. His name I currently can't remember. He's called Anti Res on yeah Twitter and stuff. Uh, he wrote a really interesting blog post recently about. Uh, so he's been using, you know, code generation tools, that type of stuff. I don't know if you saw the blog post. He no. he. So he said like that. 
it's really good for local code problems, right? Where you're talking 50 to 100 lines of code, yeah. or you have to integrate with a new API that you don't really want to learn, that type of stuff. But he found that the current generation of tools uh, have a limitation and that they don't seem to have enough cognitive ability to handle systems, mm. systems engineering, where you've got to... Yeah. You've got to maintain a wider perspective and pull a bunch of stuff together. I found that myself in using these tools. Um, you know, I, I was integrating with uh, Leaflet.js, which is like an open source mapping tool, right? Huge API. ChatGPT is fantastic for how do I do this thing with it? But, uh, you know, we're currently designing a plugin architecture based on that mapping system for a client. Yeah. It still can't give me a plugin architecture that will work with junior engineers mm -hmm. and be easy for them to use, right? I still have to do that piece. Uh, those are the, I mean, these are just the limits that I'm reading about or experiencing. You've played with a lot of these tools. Where do you think the limits are? Are there, there was, will these problems be solved or are these fundamental? There was an extremely good, like, all right, so assuming that some breakthrough doesn't happen, you know, that just, some new algorithm like QSTAR or whatever shows up, yeah, like, yeah. you know, where it just takes care of itself. The current state of the current state of it seems to be there's a concept called the like a scaffolded LLM, which is really echoing kind of like Ruby on Rails, because that was like a scaffolded way of like generating, yeah. you know, a REST application. So where we've seen this market converge on the website is things like Vercel, where it's like you have all these templates, then you can just like pick a template that's open source and then run with it. And like, it's most of what you need. And that that was pretty useful in the Ruby on Rails era when I could just go find like a pre-built, you know, e-com open source Ruby on Rails project and then fork it and then like go do what I want with it. So I could see a world where scaffolded LLMs in the in the near term, like this, the, you know, maybe it's like, you know, next year and a half until some other breakthrough happens. In the near term, that feels like there's some opportunity where, you know, you could say, well, here's a MQTT scaffolded system that is like the LLM plus some template plus some other stuff. So I, I suspect that you know maybe there could be businesses built that just have a list of two hundred sca like scaffolded LLM projects to like get to the first iteration of the, the the systems architecture, and then I saw uh, uh, I can't remember TLDR draw or it's like tiny draw or whatever it is. They've already shown that you can just draw a picture of a system. Like a block, like a block diagram, and and just say, program this. <laughs> so yeah. we can see a world where just block diagrams are the programming, are the systems level program. So it's like you just showed a picture of your desired block diagram, and then it can just fill in the details. And and then I'm like, well, if it's that simple, then you could have just templated block diagram block UML block diagram system designs and just say, okay, here's 500 different block diagrams of a system you could build. You know, here's five way. Oh, you want to build a messenger app? Here's, here's six architectures from a block diagram perspective. And then you could just say, 
just auto generate this one, please. Yeah, Th- that's yeah. doable now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that that's possible now. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and say Ruby Ruby and Rails was something special, wasn't it? I've never yeah. nobody has ever come close again. Uh, I mean, yeah. the, the Node.js world that I tended to work in, uh, there were just everybody was just inventing a new attempt, right? Every six months, get a new one, uh, and nothing ever really solidified. Um, but I always felt that they always missed the magic of Ruby on Rails, and it's hard to describe, right? It, it, it yeah. really was it, batteries included, right? Enjoyable. Uh, it's fun to program. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what? Yeah. So what we're waiting. <laughs> it's it's a it's an it's an yeah LLM on Rails or something like that. Somebody's yeah. somebody's going to do that. Right? LLMs, yeah. yeah. Um, and if somebody can really nail that, right, it might be 20 years later, the new Ruby on Rails. Uh, it'll be this, uh, it'll probably be this year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, not, sorry, not 20 years from now, right? 20 years from when? It'll be, it'll be 20 same. years old? Nearly, right? I don't know. Not actually. Yeah. It, it can't, uh, no, maybe not 20, but it's definitely not close enough, right? Close enough. Uh, yeah. So, uh, go ahead. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's okay. So that the so it's big. Just, it's like my brain. Yeah. Just just to summarize, <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to contextualize this. So, yeah. are you saying that uh, it actually doesn't really matter if we're already sort of approaching any fundamental limit in what LLMs can do because we haven't even started to explore the scaffolding option yet, right? Oh, there's going to be a, this is going to be a lot of exploration. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, the, the thing is, you see some critics saying that, oh, you know, it, it's never going to be artificial general intelligence and um, you can't just keep throwing more GPUs at it because, you know, the, the, the returns are, are going to be exponentially less and less. Um I mean, that's the question I'm, I'm asking a lot of people is, you know, where's the Moore's law? And I, <laughs> hey, this is your area, right? You, you work in the chip companies, right? Um, with Moore's law, you knew, right, every 18 months, twice as fast, and you could bet on it, and you could bet on it for, for I don't know, three decades? Yeah. Well, uh, I th- is I that effect people... here? Are we going to see that with AI, or, or is it already I, I... slowing down? I, I'm pretty sure I've seen people starting to put graphs like that on LLM model speed. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, especially I've seen it on like, you know, the speculation on the, the progress of the open source AI. They're like how fast before it catches, you know, chat GPT four. And uh, it, it does seem like there's some kind of mathematical thing going on there. I couldn't tell you what it was. You know, I'm, I'm so not, I'm so not the guy to ask about that. (laughs) But it's a business question, really, right? Because people who bet their businesses on chips being twice as fast in 18 months won, right? They could build stuff that was clunky today, but was awesome in two years' time, right? Um, All right. So here is where we're going to get into the part that if we weren't already like off the rails, and like you know, <laughs> going off roading. <laughs> uh, now we're now we're really going to like start being crazy. So 
<clears throat> I, I wrote this article the other day and I was like, cause, cause stuff kept happening where I was like, that that's directly out of a sci-fi movie. Like that yeah. came from Star Trek. Yeah. So I'm like, what that keeps happening. So I made this list of 12, 12 projects where we had either gotten exactly what was imagined to be futuristic things like Dick Tracy watch radio or something, or we dramatically exceeded it. Like we have way better than Dick Tracy watch radio. Like we've got a file. I watch whatever. And then I'm like, and then we're on either we're on track to beat it or, 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 or do better than it. And the list of stuff, which was in that category, uh, I, I like I was astonished. Like like some of these things, uh, I just uh, you know I put holodecks. Obviously, I mean you could argue we already have holodecks because we've got VR glasses. Close enough, right? Okay, uh, close enough. I, I mean, so eventually it'll be plugging into your brain. I think the thing that's missing is like you can't touch the stuff on the holodeck, and like that. I guess that'll take until they can plug it into your brain, but. It seems like we're going to get that if we already and with generative AI, we're going to get either we're going to get it, we're going to get something better, or we're going to get really close. And I was like, "Well, try quarters." I mean, we pretty much have that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, girlfriends, husbands, spouses. I mean, that's... I know it's like there was supposed to be a sci-fi film, <laughs> right? Her or whatever, but it's uh, real today. <laughs> yeah, Star Trek service droids. Uh, we're going to. Sure. We're gonna get this. This is we're, not only are we gonna have all these droids, we're probably gonna have stuff that's better than these. A lot like the better. Bus, they're like the Boston Dynamics stuff, right? Which is just yeah, mind blowing. Like right. like these things look outdated in comparison to what we're and like this is the model thing that Disney was generate was showing off. This thing was better than a lot of the Star Trek droids that yeah. were like Star Wars droids from 1970. Yeah. I'm like, okay, so we're getting this. We're going to get household droids. We're going to get better than household droids. We already are. We're getting Star Trek badges. Like, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah. From like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, you're going to get the Babel fish. Like, you put the AirPod in your ear and just like talk to anybody. I mean, this done. is done. Right. It, what, what's funny about this one is this was a joke. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but yeah. it's like you see people walking around with a, fucking ear pods in everywhere they go and in san francisco i was i was like sitting in san francisco and i was just counting how many people were walking by with both in at the same time and it was like alarming i was like that's way too many people walking by with both of these things in their ear but this is that's a babel fish like that's you know it was 100%. a joke 100 yeah we have it <laughs> we're gonna get humanoids and bipeds that's happening now we're probably gonna have you know, a 10x improvement in capability by the end of this year. Uh, Turing test just happened. Dick Tracy watch radio. We got that. Uh, this one is a little dubious, but they're like claiming to have an invisibility cloak. But I'm like, yeah, you know, why not? Like flexible the, LED. The, 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 the theory is pretty. Simple, yeah. yeah. And why not? Of, why not? Right. Yeah. Of course it can work. Jetpacks. I, I think we're getting better jetpacks than we thought we were going to get. Like, like this is one that was like kind of like you know like if you go back to the 1930s 1940s like, uh, I can't remember like that Rocket was the big Man, one, right? yeah, Rocket Man, yeah. I'm like, 
you're saying like there's these reports of people in Los Angeles complaining about this guy in a jetpack flying around <laughs> at 50,000 feet. Yeah. And, and I'm like, oh, so, so we're getting jetpacks and we already have it. And it's like annoying people now. Yeah. And flying cars are getting. So I just started looking at all this stuff and I'm like, Oh, we're further along than I think people realize because I'm like, I actually had trouble making a list of stuff that we're not getting. I'm like, maybe faster than light traveling and like teleport beams are the only things we're not going to get. Like everything else that was like sci fi, we're getting it or we're getting it and it's better. So that was kind of yeah. shocking. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, and the teleports and um, faster than light, um, well, you know, if you can upload your brain, you kind of get that for free, right? Because you yeah. just transport your personality construct. Okay, there's now two of you, right? Okay, so well, you know Riker, Riker problems, but well, you open the door and you're like, so I could put the robot on Mars, and then it with neural, you go to Mars. So you might as well be teleporting. Yeah, that sci-fi yeah. book series I, I mentioned, that's like considered normal, and then uh, the way that the other solves it is, uh, you just reintegrate. So you have two parallel memory streams of a period of your life. So this conversation we're having right now is really shocking because it's like, it just, it was like, it's like, oh, when did everything from sci-fi suddenly, suddenly become real? Yeah. It's uh, yeah. Yeah. not just real, but like, like completely conceivable. You know, you're living in the future when stuff in Star Trek, the next generation starts to look archaic. Yeah. It's like, yeah. well, that's a that's a shitty interface. We wouldn't do it that way. We're not doing it that way. Our way, our, our stuff looks, is better. Star Wars looks old now. Yeah, like it looks like. Um. So I started. All right. So basically, the question is, why is this happening? And my theory is that the tooling and especially the AI side has moved so fast that. I noticed that when 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 ChatGPT and and OpenAI released their new GPT store, like there's all these jokes about how many companies Sam Altman put out of business. He's like, oh, he put out, yeah. you know, 500 companies just went out of business. Yeah. Ha ha. And I was thinking about that. There's like a whole Y Combinator batch that went out of business, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm like, well, why why did that happen? And the answer that I came away with was, I think. The entirety of Silicon Valley and all the startup industrial complex is building for stuff that they thought is viable in the one to three year time period. And it's turning out that that's uh, their, their idea is good for one to three months now because the productivity has gotten so high. So that has consequences because. As a startup, like you're trying to exit in some period of time and get your 10x thing. Uh, and then like you're you're assuming your competitors aren't going to catch you because you're like doing some innovative stuff. Now the time horizons are compressed because you can be so much more productive with so much less. I think the next generation of creators are going to have to act more like futurists because the only advantage they're going to get is by like uh, so it's like I wrote this article as an example of like, here's what I think you're going to have to do to do a viable startup from now on. You're going to be like, all right. So I wrote this article. I'm like, I want a mechanical AI T-Rex that walks and runs like a T-Rex 
and acts like a T-Rex. How come I don't have this? You know, like a realist and, and walks and runs realistically and can run 20 miles per hour and it can jump and it has a personality. I'm like, how come this doesn't exist right now? So I just, I'm like, I'm going to generate, write this article about what I want. So I just used AI and I said, why do I want the T-Rex robot? Why do I think it's possible now? Then I, I use the AI that's available. And I said, okay, here's what the legs might look like. This is all wrong. This is all fake, obviously. Yeah. So I just like pr- prototyped this whole thing. <clears throat> and the key, and I said, I want a T-Rex lab where I build it. And I, I want a, a gym to train it. I, I think it should be uh, balanced using gyroscopes to prevent it from tipping over. Uh, I think Disney will buy this if somebody builds it. So I just kind of prototype this idea and I'm like, I'm going to come back to this in three months and I'm going to rewrite it with the tools we have in three months. And I'm probably going to be able to generate all the CAD designs and the AI. And so I'm like, um, I think the, the gist of this is you have to be, you can be hyper ambitious with, with, and just assume that the pace of AI is going to enable you to do, you know, this is, this idea is otherwise impossible. I'm assuming that the acceleration is going to be such that I can get this idea built. You've, I'm you've expecting got... <laughs> next year that you're going to have toy T-Rexes that are realistic in for Christmas. I thought Basically. I was an optimist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you just optimist, optimistic me. Um, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say let's end on that, which is just a fabulous, a fabulous note, right? You're gonna have, you're gonna have your own personal T-Rex. Yeah. Oh, like, everyone's going to have a T-Rex. Like Jurassic yeah. Park style T-Rex. <laughs> Sooner than you think. Sooner than um, you think. Amazing. Uh, I, mean, I mean, that, I mean, okay, so that, that's, um, you know, the, you know personal you artificial pets. Now. You, you is can be so much, yeah. People can be so much more ambitious. I think people have to retrain themselves to be more ambitious. Yeah, I mean, you, you what you've just described there, okay. So, you know, the original Blade Runner film, right? There's a sequence yeah. where, um, Harrison Ford's character goes into an office and uh, he's met by this AI woman and then there's an owl that flies through and she goes, do you like our owl? But the owl is artificial. Yeah. you just That's what you just did with that T-Rex, right? I, I, so, like, my final, final note, um, I, I just feel like if I had to say what leave people with one thing, I, I I feel like futurist founders are set to rule. You're you're gonna have to imagine stuff that would have been imaginable and say, in 10 years, I would like to have this, this, and this. And then I think people should write a business plan and just use AI tools like I did and just prototype your wildest, craziest idea and write a blog post about it and then describe all the pieces and then just wait. And in three to six months, you might get. So, yeah. so that's the more slow effect, right? Just just wait for the chips to get faster. Yeah. And wow. I've been noticing that you know we're seeing more and more stuff like the jetpacks and the flying cars and the airships. I think we're seeing a convergence of factors in the El Segundo region of Los Angeles, where you have a very large aerospace industry. A space industry that was, you know, accelerated by SpaceX. Then you've got the media industry, people that are skilled artists and simulators, you know. Then you've got Mexico, which is going to be the America's largest supply chain partner right there. Then you've got 
I think El Segundo and Los Angeles are going to be this kind of like futurist founder epicenter. And I'd imagine organizing what I call the Space Fest, which brings together these technologists, futurists, visionaries, roboticists. I think I think Los Angeles could be the epicenter of uh, humanoid robotics, you know, because all the animatronics designers, all these people that know how to build this stuff, you know, they're all right there. So I, I and they're, the, you know, the game industry and movie industry are laying all those people off. They're going to be building robots next. I think is what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, bad, bad move, bad move, laying those guys off uh, and girls. So, um, wow. Okay, um, I have so much to process here, Rex. Thank you so much. This is um, a little bit, little bit, slightly mind blown. Um, it's it's really stark when you when you analyze it that way and you look at what we already have. Wow, wow. You, people just didn't notice what's happened. Yeah. yeah. This time next year. I don't know. Maybe we will have. The, no. <laughs> hey, come back in a year's time, right? That that, that could be interesting. Um, already, I'm going to say goodbye. I'm going to say bye. goodbye. Rex, thank you so much. This has been kind of, yeah, mind blowing. Yeah. Take All care. Right. Bye bye. Bye bye. You can find the transcript of this podcast and any links mentioned on the podcast section of our website, voxgig.com/podcast. Subscribe to the VoxGig Developer Relations Podcast on Apple, Spotify, or any podcasting platform. We publish each Tuesday and Thursday. You can also access the archive of our meetup talks on the VoxGig YouTube channel or the VoxGig website. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.